Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson-Staveley of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, you all right? Oh, I can't decide. Am I? Am I not all right? Am I okay? On a scale of one to five, it's such a decision point at this point, <laughs> Debs, to answer that very simple question. How are you? Well, just based on that, it's thinking, what am I going to do about that? How am I going to cope with you having to think about those million and one decisions you're going to have to take right now? And how am I going to react? I don't know, Law, help. Exactly, Debs. And in this state of uh, continuing uncertainty, the roller coaster rattles on. This is why it was a no-brainer for us. We had to include decision-making skills as the fourth and final and secretly my favourite part of this uh, four-part focus we've got on the evergreen skills in work right now. So those things that we're seeing are not only premium now, but are likely to be useful as those kind of pillar skills moving forward. So we've talked about hybrid presentation skills. We've talked about um, impact and influence. We've talked about coaching, so everyday coaching techniques. That's a massive topic. And uh, this one is all about decisions. So tell me, Debs, decisions, how much is that a part of our everyday experience, whether you're in work, out of work, trying to get into a job, trying to leave a job, (laughs) responsible for a house or a team? To what extent are decisions a part of our life? Oh my God, they're completely a part of our whole life. And if you think that, you know, we can make up to anything like 35,000 decisions a day, which is mad when you start to think about that, you know, from what time am I going to get up or what am I going to, you know, what am I going to do today or what will I do tomorrow or next week or next month? And the one that always makes me smile is that as part of those 35,000 decisions that we could be making every single day is that 227 of those are about what are we going to eat? And that if we make a decision when we're hungry, if biscuits, cake. (laughs) So apple, apple cake. uh, I know where I'm going with apple cake all the way. But that that alone is that how what do we need to consider when we're making decisions? You know, things that enable us to make the right decision in the moment. With hunger being one of the things that we shouldn't be making decisions on when we're hungry. Mad, right? Well, I mean, I mean, how many times have you read don't go shopping when you're hungry, you know, because you're likely to make, you know, a kind of a, a decision that might not be uh, right for you sort of longer term. I mean, that's what I think is so fascinating about in the world of decisions, Debs. Number one, the trickier the decision, the less likely it is to be automated. So right here, right now, at this point in our history, it's probably quite a useful skill to hone, not only to kind of help scramble our way through whatever the recovery phase is, but it also is likely to set us in good stead professionally for the future. Because if you can't automate it, it's going to be part of your job profile. And that adaptive intelligence, so that ability to deal with problems that don't have any kind of rational, easy kind of solution, um, inconsistent motivators, there might be unclear or vague information, there might be moral dilemmas where there's no quick, easy kind of answer. These are the types of things not only kind of can hold us back from a confidence point of view, but um, also actually are likely to be a bigger part of our kind of roles in in the future. And I think that whole physiology and the impact our bodies have on our brain's decision-making framework. So you're talking about kind of hunger. Did you know you're more likely to choose the fruit salad 
healthy equivalent of a pudding if you're given like two months to choose for the team night out dinner. Um, and uh, if you leave it to the night to then decide, you're far more likely to choose the chocolate or the sticky toffee alternative because it's the distant to impact, the distance to impact that can kind of, um, you know, uh, impact our decisions. So when you're having a future focused um, decision. It's the ideal self that we're making a decision for. So my future self, of course, is going to be a stone lighter and I'm going to be living <laughs> on my health goals. So I'll be the type of person in two months time that will choose a fruit salad. And then it's your real self that's there on the evening <laughs> going, actually, would you mind if I just swap? Can I change? So I think yeah. that's so interesting about the, the physics, especially kind of a, around food and just the physiology of it. So Tony Blair was famous for answering Prime Minister's Question Time, PMQs, on a full bladder. Because when you have a full bladder, you have a more decisive mindset. So there's, it just sends a message to your brain saying you've got to think quickly because you've got a need that needs addressing. <laughs> and I just thought that was so interesting. So try it. If anyone here, I mean, it might work easier if it's a virtual than a kind of a face-to-face. But if actually you've got a kind of a key presentation... And you've got to be able to think quickly and articulate clearly. Um, yeah, go uh, do yeah. it on a full bladder. It, that's, keeps that's the mind focused. The, <laughs> keeps the mind focused. So it's kind of this as well as other various random tidbits that we always like to share on our podcast, isn't it, Debs? But um, what is most exciting about this one? So I know we're going to hear from um, the wonderful Liz Hegarty, with whom you spent some time in discussion with talking about her approach to decision-making skills and uh, what that might mean. And I'm sure she'll have some things that are far more highbrow than uh, (laughs) choose the fruit salad and don't go uh, to the loo beforehand. So I'm sure she's got some more highbrow things. But uh, yeah, so tell us about Liz. Yeah, so um, Liz is just an amazing um, person who has to make multi-million pound decisions at some point, right from that down to a £10 decision. So over her career, she's been able to work across various different um, organisations in order to make the decision either long-term or short-term or literally in the moment. So her ability to be able to think that way, to be able to make the right decision with what she's got in the moment, but thinking about the impact it might have, is just incredible. So yeah, listening to what she has to share with us, Law. I am so delighted to be joined this week by Liz Hegarty and she's going to give us a little bit more information about who she is and what she does because this week as part of our evergreen month we're focusing on decision making skills. So I'm delighted to have Liz join us so hello Liz thank you. Hello Debs thank you for having me. That's okay so give our listeners a little bit of a flavour of what you do. Oh, so um, I have been working in my current role where I am managing director of a company that provides services into aviation and transport for about eight months now. Mm. Um, my, my background is really in strategy and leading large teams to deliver those strategies, mainly in aviation. Yeah. So you have to obviously make lots and lots of huge million pounds worth, probably 10 pounds worth, whatever it might be, decisions as you go. So when it comes to making great decisions, what do you take into consideration, Liz? Oh, I think um, one of the things for me is that I used to think a lot about the content. So I used to think about the topic and the people and their opinions. And I, I still take those things into consideration. 
Um, but the things that I really think about when I'm making decisions, sometimes I start now with what do I know about this already? Because it can feel quite overwhelming when you feel that you have to make lots of decisions all of the time. And actually, you know, sometimes you know a lot about, about the outcome you're trying to deliver um, already. So what do I know about this already? And then I get really curious with uh, the people around me. And sometimes that involves asking questions. Sometimes that involves looking up data. Sometimes that uh, involves asking the person who might have encouraged me to be the decision maker what what their decision would be if I if I were not there, um, and, and what they know. Um, I also think a lot about what other help I can rely on. Uh, some of the best decisions I've made, I have bounced against people that know absolutely nothing about tech, well, you would assume know nothing about the technicalities or the subject or the environment because that's when you can get a really objective kind of um, view to support or think out, can help you think outside the box. And you just never know what experience other people have got or have had. Um, and you can usually do that in a really diplomatic way where you don't need to disclose anything that's sensitive um, and it, it gives you a rounded view. So I collect all my information. I think about what I already know and I think about what um, what information or viewpoints I can get from, from others, especially those who might have different experience or approach to me. The other thing I do is I try really hard to think about the short versus the medium and long term. So I'm quite often asked to make decisions that could have different implications if you go in one direction short term, might solve a short term problem, but might not set you up to success for the longer term future. And that I find that in work life, that happens quite a lot. But I find that even more in my personal life. <laughs> the decision I might choose to make in the short term might not be what future me would really love. So um, I try really hard to do that. It's not my natural um, approach. And then I guess the, the last thing for me is really about thinking about my instinct and my emotions around a subject. I have learned with experience to trust my gut more so long as there's enough evidence from the other people I engage or the data or both that isn't kind of screaming in opposite to my, my instinct. And I've learned to use to trust my gut a lot, a lot more and then commit to that decision. Once you've made the decision, stop flip-flopping, get on yeah, with it. I love that. Yeah, once you've made it, just move on and it's happened and then you can always come back and revisit it. So I suppose when you're you're thinking about over the years that you've been working, you know, your confidence and capability in making good decisions would have, um, you know, had to have increased. And as you said, trusting yourself, making sure you're curious about it. So how have you actually gone about building your confidence and and capability around making decisions? Because a lot of people struggle with that at times. And certainly from our perspective, we sometimes hear, I don't know if I made the right decision. Yeah, I'm not sure if I was confident in that moment. So what advice would you share about that? So a colleague of mine in a previous job used to say to me, what problem are you trying to solve? Nice. So I have, yeah, <laughs> I love the big picture. Yeah. I love thinking about strategy. And sometimes when I'm in a decision-making moment, I can uh, try to make a decision or feel less confident in a decision if I'm trying to please too many of my 
preferences or goals or people around me if I'm trying to fit everything so actually really being clear what problem are you trying to solve doesn't mean that you do not uh, have consideration of the interdependencies the other things that might be affected but being really clear because if you know what problem you're trying to solve then you know what outcome you're looking for and that's so simple right just ask yourself that question (laughs) the the brain doesn't work like that for me I'm afraid (laughs) (laughs) it sounds simple but it's not so easy to deploy all the time Um, And so if I know what problem I'm trying to solve, I know what outcome I'm trying to achieve, and then you get easier evidence after you've made a decision as to whether your decision was the right one or not, and sometimes not going to be the right one. And we all work really hard. We have to make more and more decisions. More and more choice is available to us in, in the world, let alone at work. There's more ambiguity in the world there's more volatility in the world and we can either try to control that or we can think about the things that are in our control and know what outcome we're looking for and then say did it work or not and then you course correct and you adjust the next time yeah I think that's and that's so important when you're thinking about that right is that can I, I love that. Yeah. What's the problem you want to solve? I can hear that being said as well. So, and therefore what's the evidence that you're going to gather to help support that. But what I I really liked also what you said earlier was that, that your confidence, I suppose, to go and think outside the box, but also ask those people that may not be in your professional field or know as much as you would do. So, so how do you, I mean, people will be, I think, fascinated by that because I think some people would not do that for all sorts of fears, right, of, oh, you know, what goes on. So, again, how would you encourage somebody to go, go on, do it, go and ask others? How would you encourage them to do it? Totally. So what has really surprised me is when I have been spending more time asking people that I don't work with about situations or decisions that I find myself in and that it's taken me a while to be confident to understand that actually people are really interested in all of you so while I don't spend all of my social time in the bar or wherever I happen to be talking to my friends for example about my work when I do that because it's human nature we talk about work it's a big part of our lives I have learned um, that it works really well for me if I remove the emotion of the personalities that I work with. So if I think back a number of years ago, a conversation with a friend about a decision might not have felt like that at all. It probably would have been, I was in a meeting and, you know, they had the cheek to ask me and it's that person that did this the other week or, oh, it's that person, they're so lovely and they suggested this and they always help me, so I'm going to help them. Yeah. It could be anywhere in between those things. <laughs> and that's, that's about the person and not about yeah. the decision. And what Absolutely. It's about, it? You know, it's kind of, you know, it's not really that productive. <laughs> when I start, and, you know, we all still do that occasionally. Of course. <laughs> We're only human, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, when I started to ask some friends about some just some really interesting things, and I don't need to disclose trade secrets as part of that. They all have a work life too, and they were really intrigued. And I then 
was consulted by them on some of their um, decisions, work challenges, opportunities, things they were thinking about. And that just gets you in a really interesting conversation. I also um, find talking to people that have different sectors and also different seniority in companies and different types of jobs fascinating because then that helps me add to my knowledge and understanding of how they go about work and I've worked in I've had probably now three main organizations that I've worked in and I've had interfaces with others but not deep experience and so getting into these conversations is actually really good for me and and growing my perspective on the world yeah I think it also as you said gives you that diversity of thought right as well because you're you're tapping into other people's experiences which is key but also that ability to be curious and inquisitive and to find out from an authentic place that actually I generally do want to know about what you do and how you do it and then how you apply that for yourself so I suppose it's also what we're hearing a lot of Liz is that you know oh my god I have to make so many decisions in my working week and that I'm really tired of having to be the one that has to make the decisions so how do you how do you deal with some of those things that enable us to sort of overcome that decision fatigue as it's getting called at the moment what strategies do you adopt for that so I totally hear that. Um, a few things that I um, have in my in my pocket at the moment that I'm deploying. So one is my self-talk. So the time will pass anyway. I will still have to make a decision about some of these things. And actually, you know, done is better than perfect, um, which is something my old boss, Emma, used to say to me all the time because I really wanted to do well. He said, you know, Liz, done is better than perfect. And I've also have to talk to myself sometimes and say, right, Liz, no decision is a decision. You're choosing through maybe procrastination or whatever's driving that procrastination not to take action and inaction has an impact. It's not a case that if you don't make a decision, nothing will happen because things will happen without you, aside of you, in spite of you. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Because somebody else might make that decision, right? (laughs) Totally, totally. And the second thing um, that I really think about is encouraging other people to make decisions. I mentioned earlier, especially if you're you're thrown a decision by a, a peer or a superior, or a junior, or a family member, just gently inquiring, what did you think about that? Did anybody else have any input there? What was their view? Because sometimes asking some of those open questions, people make a decision and they go off on their their own anyway. And as long as that's not totally contrary to what your instincts are telling you, you might have gone with, that's that's absolutely fine. Um, And then um, I think the other thing for me is, I guess this is really linked to the the done is better than perfect. You can usually nudge things back on track. So actually, even if you make an imperfect decision, so long as it's not something that's a a total game changer, we talk about no regrets decisions quite a lot, don't we? There's normally a version of the decision that you can make that's maybe not as big and as scary or as um, pressured as as what you believe you might have been asked to do in the first instance um, and with that as long as you're willing to say do you know what I only got that 60% right 
that's usually fine because you can usually come back to it. I know that's not the case with everything, but it is with a number of uh, number of the decisions I'm asked to make. Yeah, I can imagine. And and having that um, confidence to, if you like, done is enough, as you said, doesn't have to be perfect, enables you to be able to flex, I suppose, and, and uh, you know, the ability to adapt and shift as and when the landscape changes, and it's changing all of the time. And therefore, that decision fatigue could set in because we could be working crazy hours. So how do you look after your own resilience and well-being so that you are ready to make decisions that are the right decisions? Done is good enough sometimes, but how do you ensure that you're looking after yourself too so your brain is functioning as well as it can be in that moment? So um, there are some basic things that are uh, standard to how I live my life now anyway. Um, I'm quite an active personality. I like having lots of different plates spinning and focus is a real, really, really important thing for me to put lots of energy into. So some basic things like, um, you know, no one will be surprised when I talk about uh, doing my Calm app in the morning for 10 minutes and (laughs) and trying my level best to go to the gym three times a week because that's the thing I happen to enjoy once I've done it, not necessarily beforehand. (laughs) Um, And it it took me a really, really long time. It's only really since um, covid that I realised I used to like going to the gym or exercising once I'd finished, but I was never consistent enough to respect that. A bit like meditation, if you consistently exercise, whatever that means to you, if it's 20 minutes of walking twice a week, if you consistently exercise, it's not the in the moment benefit, it's the long term benefit to your emotional well-being, to your state of mind. And I, you know, in my years, and I'm not going to declare my age on this, on this podcast. So <laughs> what do you mean? You're 25, my... aren't you, Liz? That's what Absolutely. I thought. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I've never, I hadn't realised that till the last 12 months. So keeping an open mind to new things. The last thing that I do now, which I didn't do previously, is that I contract with people at work and at home. So whether that's in the short term, mainly at work, if I'm not in a position to make a decision, because, you know, last night I didn't sleep very well because it was 400 degrees, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I may not be in the best position to make a decision. And sometimes it's quite difficult to even, you know, we all want to please and work collaboratively with our colleagues quite difficult to say do you know what I can't do that right now let me think about it and in some instances they may feel that they really need the answer in the moment and I might say to them I can give you a decision now but it will be 70% I may or may not tell them it's because I didn't sleep last night or because I need extra information or whatever it happens to be and I can do the 70% quality decision now, or I can give you a much better answer if you can give me until, you know, 10 o'clock tomorrow. So that's a that's a kind of short-term way of managing myself. A more medium-term way, and this tends to be more with my family, there are certain things in my personal life that I have decided I'm quite happy to go with the flow on, to be honest. And so I've been really clear with my friends and family. i I just can't play that role because I'm doing this in my job every day and I'm looking after a, a division that has 3,000 people in it and this, that and the other. And I'm really not being a cop out here. But do you know what? I don't need to be in the WhatsApp group yes. about 
I don't know, the logistics on event X or (laughs) whether it's restaurant A or B. Like, I really want to know this level of information, but that level of information, I'm not too worried. You're really interested in that, though. Do you want to make those decisions? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, Yeah. and that's really interesting, isn't it? Because we sometimes do get involved, especially, you know, as you say, people want to check in and make sure, but that giving permission and, and letting people know, I suppose, is putting your boundaries in place, isn't it? To say, you know what, I'm quite happy with the decision because I do make decisions all day long. And and I suppose that's the bit where you have the confidence to say, look, this is, this is great, whatever it is, because I know you're brilliant, you will make that happen and I will be there on, you know, to give you whatever it is you need. So I think that confidence to say that I think and and set those boundaries is so important right so when we're thinking about how we can how we can do that and do that well yeah I just have to accept that what goes around comes around so there are other things that my friends and family have boundaries around and there I I try to find the things that I'm find really easy or I don't mind doing or um would be things that I wouldn't normally pick up because that's what relationships are. They're two way, right? Absolutely. Um, Yes. But But you're still making a decision right in that moment to say, you know what, my decision right now is to go, you know, you knock yourself out, getting involved in the detail. Just let me know when, how, when, what time I'll be there. That's a decision, right? So, so on my last question, Liz, because I know um, this is such a huge topic. um, I just wanted to check, you know, thinking back, if you were to give yourself, um, your younger self, a piece of advice when it comes to making decisions that are empowering, confident and capable, what would you say to your younger self? I would remind myself that I am making a decision. Yes. Nice. Which sounds odd, I guess. When my in my younger years, I don't think I really considered that I was, or in fact, on the other side of the coin, was not making a decision. I think it's really easy to, in the same way you described the pressure, perhaps, of the current environment in terms of decision fatigue and feeling like you're making lots of decisions. When I was younger, I'm not sure I was totally cognizant I was making decisions. Got you, yeah. I was going with the flow. I was using my 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 instincts. I was probably trying to be engaged and supportive and compliant with people more senior than me and, and so on. And actually, sometimes I think decisions are linked to hierarchy. And if you've got a big job title, then you must make lots of decisions. And my advice to my younger self would be, you're always making decisions. Everything is a decision. Yeah, and I just think that's such a valuable thing. I love that because, yeah, if you were to hear that when you were younger, hierarchy wouldn't even come into it, right? Your life is a set of choices and it's taken me a really long time to realise that and to realise, as I said earlier, when I don't make a choice, I'm making a choice. You are. Yeah. We always say that, don't we? Doing something or nothing is still a decision, right? So, Mm -hmm. but have very different consequences. But I think it's that ability to have the self-awareness to know that, which I think is really important um, because not everybody... Is has that level of self awareness that you've uh, you know been able to explore through curiosity and actually taking the pressure off in some cases that says you know what 
I'm going to give you 60% or I'll give you 95%, whatever it might be. But also I love that, you know, done is better than perfect, which is so right because perfect doesn't last forever, right? So going from there. So I think, you know, if there was one last thing you'd let us know as our, you know, let our listeners know when it comes to making decisions, what one piece of advice would you give them? So the one piece of advice I would give everybody is once you've asked a few people, you've looked at whatever data or information relates to this decision and you've checked in with yourself and you know what you truly believe is the right thing to do to solve a problem or leverage an opportunity, just trust yourself. Nice. Trust yourself. What's the worst that could happen? Exactly. That's the Dr. Pepper moment, isn't it? What's the worst <laughs> that could happen? I love that. <laughs> Trust yourself. Brilliant. And on that note, um, I'm going to make a decision to say thank you. And then you can have some time back um, for you. But I want to say thank you because what you've shared is such so important to people right now into having to make good decisions. How do they do it? How do they get it right? So to hear from you that makes huge decisions every single day with thousands and thousands of people and the impact that has on people has been just invaluable, Liz. So I just want to say a massive thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, Debs, I love listening to Liz. Not only is she so easy to listen to, but she just makes it so kind of practical. And the three things that I took from that, so it'd be interesting to hear your reflections, is um, first off that what do I already know about this decision? So that kind of checking in with yourself before you kind of act. Um, The second one was about getting a diverse of thought, you know, around those decisions. And then the third one, which I just thought was really, really simple, but ever so effective. And it's got me thinking as well about what are the decisions that I am going to be part of and what are the decisions that I just need an FYI. So I'm not cluttered with too many decisions that I can't then focus on the things that I need to. Yeah, definitely. And I think, as you said, she, she, I suppose, brings it into that every day, isn't it? Because it is that endless, we're always making decisions around it. So her ability, I think, to um, remain calm, focus on the task in hand. And then also what she said around, you know, done is better than perfect. So, and I think because that can, you know, give us that decision fatigue of not even making a decision because it's not perfect. So I think taking her advice and listening into that, being focused, having that calm approach in the moment and then done is better than perfect, is that ability to then trust the decisions you're making um, and you know that they're the right ones based on the information you've got to hand in that moment. So, yeah, I just loved listening to some of her tips and also how she looks after her own well-being that enables her um, to be able to make and be ready to make good decisions because she looks after her wellness as well and makes sure that she's you know eating healthily, doing the things that she also loves to do. So she, I think she has a good um blend if you like of that life and work um to enable her to be in the best space headspace possible when she does have to make these crazy probably decisions for her work every single day and that's interesting you touched on that because I know we're um, you know currently in the process of creating a program for one of our clients around how actually the intertwining between mental wellness and decision making. So I know from all the people that I've interacted and just have conversations with about um, bouts of depression and episodes of depression is one of the first things that goes is actually when I know I'm kind of entering into a period of depression, I just find it tricky to think and make decisions. And of course, 
feeling overwhelmed by not being able to make decisions can then stack up that sense of pressure. So I think that's certainly becoming more apparent, isn't it? Is actually there's a real chicken and egg around decisions. When we're not able to make decisions, it can stack up and cause anxiety. And conversely, when our mental health isn't, you know, optimum, it can slow us down in terms of those that ability to be able to make decisions. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I think that we always you know, talk about, you know, when the pressure's on or you're having to make multiple decisions about something, actually that's the time when your self-care goes up. So not letting that slide and making a conscious decision that that's really important to me. So I think there is that. And I think there's more work being done on that because, you know, people might procrastinate over making a decision because they're just, as you said, overwhelmed by the enormity of some of those decisions we have to make but you know being able to think about what we can do so you know first of all knowing what that decision is going to be you know as in what do I need to make a decision about Um, and then the old tool which is a great one is that we'll just create a pros and cons list you know so what are the good things what are the not so good things so you've got it all out there that enables you to see it for what it is and then you can make more of a well-informed decision based on what you know. So, and that's what she talked about was, you know, maybe getting other people's thoughts, but not putting the decision off until you've spoken to everyone. There may be trusted people that you just would go to and go, look, what do you think of this? So I think it's that choice. We always have a choice. You know, as we said, you know, doing something or nothing is still a decision. Yeah. And um, you just got me thinking actually about our uh, uh, little fun thing we're putting together for various clients at the moment who are remote based all over the world, our SPA series, self-care progresses action. So the more you look after yourself, the quicker you can then go, you know, when those kind of pressure moments come in. Um, so I just think as a final reflection, there was something that I uh, we came up with, didn't we, for um, uh, a series of sessions we were running a while ago, which were called the 4D thinking tool. So I love it when you can transfer wisdom from one world to another. And it was looking at this idea of first dimension is something just with a bit of height. Second dimension is then the kind of the length. The third dimension is a bit of depth. And then the fourth dimension is then putting some time in on it. So um, this 4D thinking tool is almost like the four lenses to put over a pros and cons list that you might be putting together or a dilemma that you're stuck with. So that first dimension thinking, so looking at that problem or that decision to be made in 1D is, well, what are my thoughts about this decision? The second dimension, so you put a bit of width into it, is, well, what might an opposite version of me or what might the person in that other team think about this decision? So you get that kind of other perspective. The third dimension, the third lens to put in on it is um, what are the consequences and impact of this decision? So putting a bit of depth into this. So as a result of this, how might that play out? And then the fourth dimension is putting a bit of time. In five years' time upon reflection, how would the what does that then do to that list of pros and cons? And that fourth dimension, I, th- I think, is the interesting one because that's where unintended consequences can then come up. And just to kind of leave it on this end, the bit that kind of really got me thinking about this was the unintended consequence of the more safer the roads are to drive on. So each little bit of seatbelt technology, auto braking, all that kind of stuff has actually then had an unintended consequence on supply of organ donations. So actually something that has saved lives and is absolutely the right decision, that would be a no-brainer in terms of do we 
do this or not. But actually what that has then meant sort of 30, 40 years after some of those bits of legislation is, is it has actually impacted some of those kind of outcomes in, in different areas. So it might not be the decision that's facing you right now has life impacting uh, potential with it, but such is the pace of development and growth now, Debs. You know, had the thinking been done back then, you would have had some concurrent technology which would have yes. <laughs> dealt with that <laughs> issue there. Yeah. You know? so, um, so I think that's for anyone here who's got either small or big dilemmas where there's no seemingly easy way to look at it. It's not about getting overly complex about it, but just putting four different questions onto it. What does this look like to me? What would this look like to an opposite? What might the consequences of impact of this decision be? And if I were to put the clock forward five or 10 years time, what would I now be thinking about this decision? And sometimes that can just propel us through taking the tougher decision for an easier life in the long term. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I think that would be my call to action for people is to even write those questions down and just spend five minutes, no more than that, just to answer them. Because then you can see and then you can make more of a rational decision. Um, because once we do that, that sort of gives us a, a better opportunity, a better chance to be able to, if you like, have live a successful life. Uh, compassionate existence, to have that fulfilment and that happiness because you've made a decision that's right for you. So that would be my call to action for people. Oh, I love it. And my share the secret would be, think of a friend either in your professional or personal network who thinks they're not good at making decisions. The amount of people that I think they're out there going, oh, crap at decision making. Like every skill, it's what we practice. Get them to listen to this, listening to their everyday um, examples, practical examples that Liz gives us. This isn't about complicating life. It's about being able to now have the life that you then want. And for anyone, you know, in your network who you know just thinks that they're not very good at decisions or or they're not kind of confident at it, get them, get them to listen to this because actually it's an everyday skill and uh, it's amazing how just doing some of those smaller stuff, your confidence builds and you will be ordering that fruit salad <laughs> for the team <laughs> gathering in two months' time before you know it. Love it. <laughs> I'm off to make my so, decision about whether I have that as well, Law. Fruit salad or chocolate cake. Uh, I'm exactly. going to go and do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or apple cake. Ah, oh, there you <laughs> hey, go. Like, fourth smart. dimension thing in 10 years' time when I can't <laughs> leave the house. <laughs> Uh, so I am so excited about yeah. our next focus, Deb. So this is mm. a new little ad adventure for us. We're going to do a six-week summer school. We are. Very exciting. Can't wait for this one, Law. Cannot wait. So we'll tell you more about that at the next episode, but it's going to be a six-part series focusing on what we've called our growth programme. So it'll give you all the insider secrets from uh, some of the kind of the uh, most popular and kind of um, the things that people say they enjoy from the sessions that we kind of run in our uh, kind of day-to-day -day life. So really looking forward to that. And that goes out for anyone who not only wants to have a really relaxing and fun summer, but also wants to feel super set up for September, top of your game. And uh, hopefully, you know, with a bit of light learning, but also with some real useful bits of content as well put in. So I'm really looking forward to that. Summer school starts next week, Debs. Yeah, I'm ready. I've got my notebook and pen. I'm ready. Wonderful. Right. I was going to go and buy some biscuits because we can't do a summer school without biscuits, Debs. <laughs> Love that. I'll see you next week though, Law. All right. <laughs> Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. 
We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you're a Spotify listener, give us a rating as it makes it easier for us to share the secret with others. 